ultimately, you know, we have to be fucking adults. You know, I, I, one of my pet peeves is this idea that we need to expect our partners or demand our partners hold all of us. It's a very entitled approach to relationship, right? Like, no, it's a, it's a gift when your partner wants to hold space for you, right? It's a gift when she wants to listen to you bitch about your technology or your work or da da da. If she's giving you that kind of generosity, it's a fucking gift and you should treat it as a gift. My name is John Wineland, and you're listening to the Life Stylist Podcast. I'm Luke Story, and this is episode 448, The Return of Noble Masculinity and Feminine Harmony, How to Thrive in Love with John Wineland. Get your fresh show notes at lukestory.com slash masculine, or better yet, have every episode's show notes delivered to your inbox. Just go to lukestory.com slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and every week I'll send you the audio, video, transcripts, and links from every damn episode. Again, that's lukestory.com slash newsletter. Our guest, John Wineland, joins us for his third appearance. He's an author, teacher, and speaker who for over a decade has been leading both men and women in the realms of spiritual intimacy, life's purpose, and embodiment. He teaches worldwide, bringing his vision for a new paradigm of masculine leadership and conscious relationships to those yearning to live in love with wide open hearts. And if you listen to this podcast, that must be you. Here's just a taste of what you'll learn by tuning into this one, recognizing, understanding, and healing generational patterns to create more loving relationships, John's take on how men can best encompass the full range of masculinity, practical tips like making appointments for important discussions that can make an unbelievable difference in relationship dynamics, how John has worked through the heartbreaking loss of loved ones and the important relationship between death and the masculine, the powerful lessons I've learned from participating in his events, how men can manage intense emotions, why breath is such a core part of his work, the key role of integrity in masculinity, why most men value purpose and freedom above all else, how to practice unflinching awareness to create intimacy and trust, why women sometimes hold on to resentment even after a conflict has been resolved, the many ways in which men's mom or dad issues manifest in relationships, how a masculine man can love and respect his female partner and also ravish her sexually. And that, my friends, is just the tip of the iceberg. This dialogue runs deep, and John is truly a master of his craft. Okay, let's all take a nice, deep inhale, exhale. And prepare to get the codes we need to relate in the most powerful of ways with John Wineland on the Lifestylist Podcast. Here we are, John Wineland. Let's do this. Yeah. So good to see you. Ah, so yeah, good to see you. Yeah. I'm so happy that you moved to Austin. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's good to be here. This is rad. Great to catch up yeah. with you. I feel uh-huh. like we've already, we just had about an hour long conversation. Yeah. Podcast before the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Which always happens, <laughs> yeah. but mm. you're onto some really good stuff lately. Yeah. Thank uh, you. With your work and your life. And I'm just super stoked for you. And thank you. I was on your site this morning, just looking at all your offerings. I mean, I'm just like, holy crap, dude, you are prolific mm. <laughs> you know, i mean where you've where you've yeah. gone since i first met you and started um getting into your work is mm. just incredible it's really inspiring yeah that was that was a really interesting time i think your podcast was one of the moments that launched my fledgling career really yeah it helped yeah, yeah it totally helped it was after that the talk i did on i think what it's called what men crave and 
you know, I had a bunch of podcasts reach out to me and I, that's where I met you. And, and yeah, that was sort of the beginning of what I'm offering now. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So it's been a nice, it's been a, it's been a nice, what was four or five, five years ago, six years ago, maybe. Well, I'm glad to hear that that had some impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you're on this side of it, you don't really, I mean, you can look at your download numbers, but you don't really know your reach. Mm-hmm. Until I go out in the world and I meet someone like, oh, I love your podcast and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's very meaningful to me when a guest who is a teacher or you know one of the brands, I interview a lot of brands, cool inventors that come up with neat products and things like that. And I love getting feedback when they're saying, oh man, we blew up after that. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, I'm just sitting in my loft here having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's hard to see the impact, so I'm glad that it did. Yeah, I thought we might start the uh, podcast today with uh, psychic reading. I know mm. you're very famous on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, tell yeah. us about the, your impersonators. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know how this happened. Apparently, a few people, but yeah, I had I don't know two or three just back to back to back people you know, copying my account and then offering people psychic readings and maybe they offered you one too. And, uh, and I, I just could not get Instagram to take it down. Like I had them reported, I reported it. And so, uh, no, I don't, do not do psychic readings. I avoid any kind of coaching via Instagram I can. So there's people that like, give me these long, you know, relationship issues and I just can't even do those, let alone psychic readings. Yeah, that's just, that's hilarious. <laughs> Finally, fucking Instagram took it down. Finally. But I thought, oh, this is just going to be, this is just life now and it's going to have to be this way for, for years. So something changed. Well, it's interesting with the social media platforms because they're very quick with the censorship, right? Like if you step out of line and yeah. say something politically or about, um, a perceived or real health crisis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'll take your shit down real quick. Mm-hmm. At the very least, shadow ban you. Yet you can have impersonators that are actually disparaging you mm-hmm. um, as a private citizen or as a brand, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like, oh, sorry, taking people's money. Yeah, I have the same thought. I can't. I cannot mention sex in any of my posts. Oh, really? I mean, I, I, I get shadow banned. Oh, they, they do. They'll do a tenth or twenty percent of what I post that does not have sex in the in the either the copy or in the video. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have. I'm very flattered, uh, really, but I have an Instagram impersonator or maybe mm. a couple of them, mm. and they they DM people and. They start off by like, hey, Patriot. They're like super MAGA like oh, wow. in their thing. And I'm like, what? How did anyone get that from me? You know, I don't like the government mm-hmm. generally speaking, mm-hmm. but like I'm not MAGA guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, Patriot, I'm doing a quiz on this or that. And I noticed the first time it happened, I lost like four or 500 Telegram followers around the same time. I don't wow. know if they could have DM'd that many people, but wow. uh, I think there were probably a number of people that got that message and were like, ew, mm, like mm. creep. Mm, mm. Don't call me a patriot. <laughs> yeah. Incidentally, I, I guess I am a patriot, but just yeah. not in that way, you know, but yeah. I, love, I love where I live. Um, who have been three teachers that have had a, a, a huge impact on your work that mm. you might share with us? Mm. Well, first, most people know, which is David Data. Sure. Um, David David was a teacher of mine for 13 years and cha- you know, basically introduced me to the concept of embodiment, to the concepts of sexual yoga, spiritual intimacy, um, just absolutely changed my life. So, for, so yeah, David's definitely number one there. Uh, the second one, almost nobody knows, but she is just one of these secret witches. Um, and she was actually David's partner for many, many years in, in when he was developing his teachings. And her name is Sophia Diaz. 
And she is just, she is like a straight up Mayan priestess reincarnated, spent you know, tons of time in India and is just a, an absolute master. But hardly any, she doesn't really teach, you know, she's not out there pushing anything. She did a bunch of, um, you know, for, for the women's movement, the women's embodiment movement, let's call it. Sophia was really the first, one of the first women in the country to introduce that work. And she used to have this, this uh, retreat every year in Crestone, Colorado, that launched what we now know as sort of the women's feminine embodiment work and hardly anybody knows her. So wow. I hope people, I hope people, you know, and she's not on social media. You can't, you can't find her anywhere. Maybe she'll return my calls one time and then it'll be a year before she'll do it again. It's like, she's just, yeah, she's straight up magic. And uh, so Sophia Diaz and, um, and the third was the first sort of spiritual teacher that I was introduced to. I was seven and my mom converted to Buddhism and his name is Daisaku Ikeda. And he was like the, the first, I didn't grow up with fa my father split, my grandfather's died, you know, I didn't have a male role model. And so he, when I was seven or eight, he was just this light of inspiration. And he, he basically, I mean, he's probably controversial now. I haven't checked in on him, but, but as a kid to get that kind of download about what's possible in spiritual practice, specifically chanting and meditating and doing the Lotus Sutra, the things that I grew up doing, he was incredibly impactful. And, wow. and really the first sort of like, not only spiritual teaching, but mindset teaching. And uh, yeah, so, so yeah, President Ikeda, Daisaku Ikeda. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's interesting how at various times in our life, some of us have this, auspicious luck to be around mm. someone of of high caliber and high consciousness mm. you know and the imprint of that kind of the shakti pot of that experience yeah and oftentimes we don't realize it until later on not that it has to be a person of notoriety sometimes it's just someone who's tapped in and mm. they could be in your family or you know a teacher in school or something but yeah. i had the good fortune to go to Darshan at this man Muktananda's ashram mm. in Oakland when I was like eight, around 1978 or so. Mm. And I know now through all of the work that I've done that it had a massive impact on me mm. just for the, the basic fact that I was just in that energy field mm. and got imprinted by that consciousness. Yeah. You know, now it took yeah. many, many years, a few decades, you know, to start to realize what had happened. But that that's interesting that you had a similar experience. Yeah, very much. Yeah. And and I think what it speaks to is just the power of transmission. Yeah. You know, somebody that's cultivated a spiritual transmission through decades and decades of practice. If you're in there, you know, if you're in their presence and you're open at all, right? You're just gonna receive that transmission like sunlight, you know, or like um, you know, like rain, just a beautiful sort of texture of energy that that really does make an imprint. Yeah, yeah. it does. Well, you you mentioned that your dad split when you were really young, mm -hmm. but you know, as as someone who now is such a champion of relating, did you have any relationships modeled by your caregivers that None. were None. at all functional? <laughs> None. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, even now in my fifties, I, I, I'm still bumping up against that, that, you know, I know how to love, like I, I have incredible capacity to love and to even receive love and to practice and to create, you know, deep experiences and all that kind of stuff. But that childhood, you know, imprint of, of relationships don't last or people don't stay or all of that, that has 
part of the final frontier. I would say that's if you were one of the things I often ask you guys in my men's group is is to get into um what would you need to change or experience before you die so that you can die complete? And that's the one for me. Like that's the karma that I I, I really want to change because I feel like it's lineage karma. You know, my mom was married three times, my dad was married three times. Both of them don't have partners now. You know what I mean? It's a very it's a very deep karmic imprint in my family, and and I have the capacity to change it, and I, and and I am changing it, and I will change it. But but no matter, it makes the distinction between yoga, like being able to do spiritual practice or yoga to create connection or intention or depth, and then really changing the karma, right? They're related, those two are related, but they're not the same thing, you know? And by doing the yoga, by doing the spiritual practice over and over and over again, you do start to move the wheels of karma, but sometimes those things are fucking lifetimes long and super deep, and that's the final frontier for me. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I've I've made a lot of progress in the past few years in that regard. But yeah, that, did you have that situation too, where your parents didn't stay together? Or, oh or? yeah, they got divorced when I was I don't know I think three or four or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But just you know the the lineage on both sides of the family just being yeah. so mired in dysfunction and alcoholism yeah. and addiction and abuse and just just yeah. a disaster. I mean, a perfect disaster, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. now in hindsight, it's like oh man, just so beautifully orchestrated by God or my soul choosing those two people to come yeah. through. And I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. And they've also evolved tremendously in terms of my parents. But, mm. you know, all of the years, like overcoming addiction and then working on money stuff and sex stuff and just, you know, all the, all the kind of artifacts of unhealed trauma and, yeah. um, and all the things that people go through when you're a kid and how that imprints you and sets all these patterns. I really couldn't get to that last piece mm. until a few years ago. And, um, yeah. and part of my, I, I can't wait for you to meet Allison because she's so stellar. I think you guys really, really enjoy one another. But until I did a lot of healing work, for me, it happened to be in the realm of psychedelics and plant medicines mm. where I could really get into that kind of quantum space. And I mean, talk about <laughs> shadow work, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, into the belly of the beast of the most painful core wounds, just sitting in there, mm. moving shit around, mm. you know, and thank God I was bestowed with the wherewithal to do that. It took a while to to get there. But I feel like, I really feel like, I don't know, I think that shit is healed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like tiny fragments of it here and there that crop yeah. up, but um, and I want to actually give you credit for your work mm-hmm. in terms of relating. I mean, healing a lot of the underlying issues and just really, really in a very visceral way dealing with the trauma that I experienced early in life. Mm-hmm. But so many of the tools I've learned in your workshops, mm-hmm. I use all the time in my relationship. And it's yeah. been so useful for me yeah. because the runway has been kind of clear now. And I have someone there who's very receptive and open to mm-hmm. a deep love. I have someone that's yeah. very deep and is willing to go wherever I can take her, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember that when I'm, I always talk too much in my goddamn <laughs> interviews, but there's, there's so much to say. I'll, I'll let you talk, I swear. I know people listening are like, shut up, let John talk. <laughs> I will, I will. But there was one exercise we did in one of your workshops. Um, oh, that's right. You came to the loft, right? My buddy, yeah, Monica, my yeah. buddy Elliot and I came, yeah. I think, because you, you needed a couple males, yeah, you know? Yeah. We're like, score <laughs> to balance out the, you know, the scale of the, the partner exercise and stuff. And there was, I mean, there was so many beautiful experiences there. But I think the one that impacted me the most 
And this is one I use all the time in my relationship is when you divided the males and females uh, across the room and there was kind of a dividing line of pillows or something between us. And then you instructed the females essentially just to emote the highest level of rage and every emotion in between that Mm. terror, rage, Mm. range Mm. at us Mm -hmm. (laughs) and instructed us. I mean, I remember the details of it, but I just remember like, this is fucking scary. <laughs> this is gnarly. Stay on that side of the pillow. Yeah. This, it was gnarly. Just mm. multiple women, one after the other, mm. just the lineage of the feminine being terrorized mm. and abused, right? Mm. Just that energy coming through all of those women and me just being instructed to keep my spine straight and to breathe and to hold that fierce love. I think that's the, the word that yeah. you used is yeah. just to being able to withstand that. And I do this all the time when, when my wife, Allison is experiencing some fire, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, if I just breathe and can really be totally present to her experience mm-hmm. and not make it about me. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly healing for both of us to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. And I think that experience, like it imprinted me in such a profound way because I realized this is just the storm. This is just Kali. Mm-hmm. This is just weather. Mm-hmm. It's just weather. It's, it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. when someone, I mean, a partner, anyone feels the need to express deep and powerful emotions. Like yeah. it's not going to kill you, Luke. And, yeah. and also you don't need to retaliate, mm-hmm. defend, evade. It's like you can actually just be present to this. And the more present you are to it, incidentally, the faster the storm's going to roll through town. You know, it's not actually going to be this way very long if you can really commit a high degree of presence and love to yeah. it. Yeah. So it's not like the presence isn't, oh, to make her shut up because I don't want to hear this or it's too uncomfortable. Yeah. The presence is because it feels so good to love that deeply. Mm. And the byproduct of that is that you move through it and then there's like a deeper level of intimacy and trust mm. that's built. So, man, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And so much more, which, which yeah. we'll get into. You yeah, know? I will say in that exercise, the women also did the same for the men. I don't remember that part. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, y'all were going for it. The women, I had the women, the men, you know, sort of hold a presence for the women. And then I had the women hold presence for the men. And then we did a whole forgiveness thing afterwards where you, they came together and forgave each other. And yeah, it was actually, it was a really beautiful practice. I haven't done that very often, but, but that's, that was a beautiful practice. I Thank you for it. filling in my memory yeah, on that. Because yeah. I, I totally blanked out the part where I got to return mm-hmm. the, uh, the emotion. It was them. powerful to watch that, to watch, you know, because you hear a lot about women, men holding space for women's rage, but the women were ready. Totally. They were, yeah. they were there. They were like more, more. Like they really wanted to feel y'all's hearts and they wanted to feel what was true. And there was such, it was such a beautiful, I remember like women coming right up to the edge of the pillows and like, like kind of t- drinking it in, you know, and uh, men too. But it was that sense of like kind of leaning into each other's humanity. It was really beautiful. So thanks for reminding yeah. me of that practice. Yeah, yeah. it was it was night. lasting. I'll never forget it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I li- I think of it often when I'm in that same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's like no, 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 just breathe. Don't run. Mm-hmm. Don't shut down. Don't close your heart, Luke. <laughs> right, right. You know, this is this is the test of your love. True mm-hmm. love is like being there through all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but man. Well, I will give a caveat to that based yeah. on re- what I've discovered recently, which is that. The thing that makes those exercises work 
is that they're not projecting personal shit onto you, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was just pure unadulterated rage and grief and anguish. I would say anguish. Mm-hmm. And that is that we can metabolize from our partners. It's when things start to get projections, you always, you never, you're this, you're that. It takes a saint to be able to stay present. And if you can do that, God bless you, man. It takes a saint to be able to stay present with rage and projection. Yeah. And one of the things I'm noticing is it's just, I want to tease apart and make that distinction, you know, like, Luke's talking about this was like heart-centered rage without any you always, you never, fuck you, da-da-da-da. It was just the pure source of anguish and rage. And that your partner has a much easier time metabolizing. In fact, they want more. They were like, they're like, more or more. I remember men going like, yeah, more. <laughs> and, uh, and I asked at the end, I was like, hey, men, could you have taken more? And almost all y'all raised your hand. Maybe you were, maybe you were like, <laughs> okay, that, that was, that was 9.5, man, as far as I can go. Let's take a minute here as I would love to share my latest discovery with you Lifestylist listeners. As soon as I tried this product, I became instantly obsessed, and it's now officially a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning smoothie and sometimes even coffee. First time I tried it, I felt focused, uh, my mind was clear, and it continues to improve my mental performance on the daily. I actually had some in my smoothie this morning and will likely do another scoop in some water for my afternoon work block to keep this brain pumping. You're probably hip to the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen protein. Well, the product I'm talking about here contains the most hyper-concentrated forms of four of the best brain-boosting mushrooms. So that's lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, plus collagen protein and Peruvian cacao. This magic in a jar, my friends, is called Collagenius. And I love that it turns your brain on without any jitters or crash whatsoever. It's super clean brain energy. So if you're getting beat down with the old brain fog, have difficulty focusing, and want to repair your brain in the most natural way, you definitely want to check this stuff out. Here's what you do. Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code LUKE10 at checkout and save 10%. That's N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A, newtopia.com slash lukegenius. And check this out. Newtopia, the company that makes College Genius, is so confident that you'll love this product that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So uh, there's no risk for you here to check this out. Again, your link is newtopia.com slash lukegenius and the code is luke10. Do it now, you guys. Your brain will thank you. There There was another... Uh, one too that I remember vaguely, but it was also impactful. And it was like we were partnered up. And so I, I think I did this with a number of other female participants. And we were instructed to kind of project love, right? Mm-hmm. And then switch it to, I think it was fierceness or like warrior. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. words, but essentially yeah. it was like, I will fucking kill you mm-hmm. to I love you. Mm-hmm. you know, or I have the capacity to kill you. Not mm-hmm. like an anger, but just like mm-hmm. someone who could kill for love. Yeah, it know? wasn't I would kill you. It was, it was I would kill to protect you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 So it's basically like, you know, yeah. lover, warrior kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to experience how tapped in the women were because mm-hmm. they'd be instructed like, 
more lover, mm -hmm. more warrior or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was just doing like full warrior. <laughs> She's like, no, weak sauce. <laughs> you know, I want more. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, thinking, of, God, I'm just, I'm opening my heart to its utmost capacity here. And she's like, more love, more love. I'm like, oh, is there more love? <laughs> that was also really, mm. uh, really instructive, you know, just yeah. to appreciate the feminine's ability to perceive on such subtle, mm. on a subtle level, mm. you know, really, really good medicine in that. And yeah. like, wow, maybe I actually have the capacity within my feminine to access that level of sensitivity. Mm. Super cool stuff. Yeah, I think you do. The thing about that that I love is that I like to mix archetypes. And I think that that warrior, everybody knows the warrior and the lover as two separate archetypes, but actually the blend of I would kill for you, I would ravish you if you wanted me to, I would like the, it's a very, it's a very beautiful thing to watch men's nervous systems get tuned up by the women going more lover, more warrior until the exact kind of calibration of fierce love comes through and to watch that because once it's installed in your nervous system, it's now there. It's a program that you can access again and again and again, but most people don't actually, that's the thing about embodiment that's so powerful is that you can talk about that shit. So the cows come home, but unless you have a felt experience and are being witnessed and encouraged by the eyes of love, right? It's it doesn't totally get established in your nervous system. That's yeah. really really good observation. So you're kind of hardwiring it. Totally, there's a muscle memory to it. Very much. Yeah, I mean Very that's much. definitely true because I've like I said I've used these things in the year that was many years ago, mm -hmm. right? That I even had those experiences. Yeah, super cool. Um, tell us about your latest book from the core. What's what's the essence of this book? Mm. I was listening to one of your podcasts recently and heard you talk about it. I literally had no idea that that happened. <laughs> so I, I want to get it and I yeah. kind of read the synopsis of it, mm. but maybe just break that down um, because yeah. it's, it's a huge accomplishment and I just thank want you. people to know that you got it done. Yeah, thank you. Sounds true. And and all those who helped make it. It's, the, it's a culmination of my thoughts on masculinity and men's work. And so, you know, over the last 13 years, I've been teaching men's work first in 12-step community and then in yoga community and meditative community. And so it's all of the things that I've learned teaching men's work. I tried to condense as much as I could into a book. It's hard. And then give men a pretty um, hopefully straightforward path to what I would consider a new paradigm of masculinity, which is moving from the acquisition, dominate, acquire, win mode of masculinity, which is what we grew up with, to the deepen, feel more, and then lead from a deep sense of a core truth versus some strategy to win or acquire or control or dominate. And I try to give as many practices as I can, some like the ones you're talking about in the book. But it was really just like, hey, this is my love letter to men. I'm a guy who didn't grow up with fathers. I, I got raised by other men, thank God. You know, I got raised by some beautiful men throughout my life. And it's just my attempt to, to give back and create some kind of uh, a direct line to what, what I do in my programs and my work. And what's awesome. worked for me. Awesome. You know? I'm going to get it. Yeah. I also forgot earlier to give the caveat. I know you give this, but I'm going to steal it from you often. Mm -hmm. uh, in the realm of this conversation, uh, because you and I are both heterosexual and I'm in a heterosexual relationship, yeah. I'm probably going to say, well, men do this, women do that. But mm -hmm. I love that your work is just based on energetics and polarity of the yeah. masculine and feminine. So if anyone's listening, like this won't apply to me because I'm not that, then mm -hmm. I would encourage people to listen and 
change the words where you need to for it to make sense. Yeah, really important caveat because the the the, the energies is structure and flow, right? Um, fullness and emptiness, like the polarities of the universe. Pretty much, you know, we use the terms masculine and feminine, which have a whole fucked up history. Part of the book's attempt is to you know reclaim what masculine is, what a healthy masculine is, and but each human, no matter how you identify or what your sexual preferences are, you have the energies. You have you have a, there's a part of you that's flowing and changing all times, and there's a part of you that's never changed and never will. And that is basically your masculine essence and your feminine essence, and that that is not heteronormative. Got it. Yeah. I'm glad we covered that. Yeah. Glad. Keep it PC up in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me see where I wanted to go with this. So I think I really, you know, in accordance with your book, even though I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet, I don't th- know that I've done a show kind of really exploring masculinity. I know mm. we've already been going for a while, but mm. I think I'd like to kind of go into there. And there's something uh, that I quoted from your site that I thought was so beautiful. And there's so many things to unpack within this. Uh, you said, authentic masculinity is a transmission of love and freedom, not dominance. It invites us to feel deeply, disavow numbness. Hello, Luke. <laughs> I'm going to take note of that one. And turn away from ego-driven dogma that has harmed women, the planet, and men themselves. Mm. So maybe we could start by you defining, I don't know if you even use this in your vernacular, but um, toxic masculinity is a term that's like thrown around a lot. What's yeah. your perspective on that yeah. to maybe get what we maybe want to move away from yeah. first and set that as a foundation and then look at the possibilities before us? Yeah. Well, let me start with masculinity, right? Okay. Um, masculinity is a transmission, right? It's a transmission. Basically, it's just... Somebody walks into a room and you can feel that they have depth, stillness, ground, presence, right? Certain traits, I, I call them in the book currencies, like they have these currencies that they've cultivated in their body. They occur as masculine. And just like femininity is a transmission too. somebody, and this again, gender neutral, right? Somebody who flows beautifully and who has, is able to run energy or pleasure through the body, all of those things are basically transmissions that others can feel. So rather than think of masculinity as this kind of stoic, predefined state, static state, masculinity is a constantly evolving and amplifying capacity to be, this is why the book's called From the Core, to sort of access your, the core truth of your body, of your heart, of your spirit, of consciousness, and then make it felt, right? Literally, transmitted into the space. And those people who do that are felt as masculine. And I see this in workshop after workshop after workshop. So I like that, I like that definition. You know, other, other people may have other definitions, but I like that definition because it gives us agency. If I, want to, if I want to transmit the masculine through my body, here's some ways I can do it. I can slow my breath. I can deepen my gaze. I can feel the earth. I can get more still. I can, you know, kind of open my heart, right? And just let, let those things waft, let's say, into the space and it will have an impact on people. And so I think masculinity is a yogic meditative practice versus some kind of, you know, something that, you know, 
somebody acquires by being a great football player or smoking a Marlboro or, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, or doing, whatever the fuck it was. CrossFit. Yeah, doing CrossFit, like being buff. Like that, that's, that's not masculine, actually. Masculine, masculinity, as I define it, is much, as a much deeper practice. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go out of order here a little bit, but something that really had an impact on me was years ago, I interviewed John Gray, the mm. author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yeah. Learned a ton from him. And he kind of approaches things from, I mean, many perspectives, but he talks a lot about hormones. Yeah, right? biology. Just, yeah. Yeah. Which I find fascinating. Um, but I remember him telling me something to the effect of, we were talking about, you know, when masculinity goes wrong, kind of. And I was like, yeah, the, you know, the angry, violent guy mm. that with rageful outburst that's dangerous and is hitting people and that. And he goes, he goes, no, that's not masculinity. That's a man in his feminine yeah, energy. Exactly. And he said, he, that guy is high on estrogen mm-hmm. and totally unable to control his emotions. So I think kind of the public perception we have is this violent, you know, mm. angry, dominant male is toxic masculinity. But it's, to me, that made sense. It's really more one that does not know how to manage their feminine energy. Yeah. Would you be yeah. in alignment with that perspective? Yeah. I, Generally I would, speaking? I would frame it a little differently. They don't know how to shepherd their emotional body, which is, which is a big part of the book, right? Of how to shepherd your own feminine. So all of our emotions are the feminine. All of our thoughts are the feminine. All of our sensations. Anything that's moving, flowing, changing is the feminine, at least in the lexicon that I use. And so there's a spectrum, right? The stiller, you know, think of like a black hole on the uber mask, like dense gravity on the uber masculine <laughs> side of the phenomena, then, then a mountain, you know, then a oak tree, then, you know what I mean? Then you start, you start to get into bamboo, which starts to flow a little bit more. And then there is the wind and then there's stars. Like, so there's a spectrum in the natural universe that applies, I think, to masculine feminine dynamics and makes it easier for people to understand I think I would define toxic masculinity as, as yeah, is as, as a man's inability to control his baser emotions or creates, let's, let's not use the word control, creates structure. So for example, nothing wrong with being angry, but if I have a strong spine and my heart is soft and I'm breathing and I'm actually like emoting from a place of having the structure, structure being the masculine the emotion being the feminine, I, I'm allowing this my humanity to come through a structure that can be metabolized by my partner. When I lose that structure and I'm just flying off the handle and flying off the rails, I've got no structure. I'm just pure storm, right? right? right. And and, and, I, and that's when I create damage. When I when my desires, and this is where I think toxic. This is I hadn't really thought about it like this, but this I think is probably true. Toxic masculinity is desire desire to dominate women, desire for sex, desire for power, money, land, conquest, all the things that we men have been guilty of, that unstructured, unhinged desire is toxic masculinity. And that's how the patriarchy was born. You know, the Pope signed some decrees and said that you can, men have all the power, men can own whatever land, men can take <laughs> slaves, men can da-da-da-da, right? And it was all based on this sort of conquest masculinity you know and and i think we're at this place now where men are getting to redefine what masculinity is and i'm hoping that my book will will provide some you know possibility there i don't claim to there's going to be a lot of beautiful thoughts on this i'm sure 
So I think when you're moving out of, I'll just get, let me give three frameworks that I think might help people take it out of the esoteric. So toxic masculinity is basically using control dominance to get what you want. Manipulation, control dominance to get what you want. Healthy masculinity would be to health, in a healthy way express what you want what you need, what you want. Like, I, I would want this from you and I would want this from you. And what would you want from me, right? There's this kind of healthy exchange of expression of desire, right? Sacred masculinity is already full, already so full of depth and consciousness and breath and connection to the, to connection to the divine that it liberates. So, Sacred masculine is about liberating, liberating your own emotions, liberating the emotions of the people you love, liberating hearts. You know, it's not liberating the feminine. Like women don't need us to liberate them. They're doing fine on their own. But in a moment of relational expression, your presence and your awareness can actually help liberate your partner's pain or a client's pain or your child's pain, right? It doesn't have to be men and women. And that is a sacred masculine act to liberate, liberate a heart, liberate love. And that's what sacred masculinity is in my definition. That's beautiful. It feels so good to be able to do that. Mm. You know, something mm-hmm. I've, I've been learning how to do over mm-hmm. the past few years brings to mind. Actually, it's very similar to the exercise I was referring to wherein the women were just emoting that. And you said, well, it's not really a projection. It's not personal. It's just, ah, mm-hmm. it's just you know, universal rage, right? Mm-hmm. But I had a situation with Allison downstairs here a few weeks ago. Essentially, I don't even remember what it was, but there was something uh, that about which I wasn't listening to her. Mm. Like, you're not, you're not hearing me. Like, I need this thing. I really don't remember what it mm. was. And then her emotions started to get stronger. And I was just leaning in like, okay, tell me how that feels. Tell me more. Mm. I, I'd like to know what your experience is, mm. you know? And I'm breathing, I'm practicing shit that I've learned from you. <laughs> And this evolves into her just fucking unloading Mm. on me. Mm. It was, I've never seen her or maybe any women access this level of pain. Mm. And it was so strong that I knew that it wasn't about me. Mm. Even while she was doing it, I don't know that she did quite then. I mm. think she unpacked it afterward and was like, oh, you know, she's pretty quick to kind of clean things up and see where things originated from. She's a very good observer of, yeah. of herself and her yeah. persona, you know? Right on. But that's what it was like. And it felt so good to be able to do that. And I was actually so impressed with myself, to be mm. honest, you know, not in an e- egoic way, but just like, wow, I just love the shit out of her mm. and I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And she probably felt more free afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what you're describing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then she was able to actually, you know, having kind of cut through the morass of that dense uh, emotional body, mm. she was actually able to, in a very kind of quick and elegant way, dissect what it was that she was actually feeling and where it came from. And it mm. was, came from way back. Right. Had very little to do with me. Yeah. You know, I was just person in that moment that reminded her of something deeply painful in yeah. her past, you know? Yeah. And it was, a, it was a really powerful healing moment. And out of that, something you talk a lot about is the, the feminines need to trust the masculine. Mm. And there was um, immense amount of trust that was cultivated in that moment mm. that I wasn't going to leave, mm. right? Emotionally yeah. shut yeah. down or physically run out of house or whatever, right? Yeah. I'm like, I'm here for it. However, and I want to get your take on this, 
there are times where if something like that comes up, I sense myself turning red and starting to boil mm-hmm. and I feel my nervous system entering into fight or flight mm-hmm. and I know that there is no way I will be able to hold yeah. space like that. Yeah. And so my move is to just go, I'm here. I love you. My heart's open to you. Mm-hmm. I really want to hear what you have to say, but I'm going to need to take a pause. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to turn into that toxic masculinity and yeah. I'm going to say or do things that I don't feel good about that are probably going to not help the situation and maybe even even yeah. hurt you. Do you think that's a viable tool to yeah, kind of man, apply self-awareness? That's wisdom. to <laughs> say, hold up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so good to the first example. Yeah. Right? you were able, for whatever reason, you were in a state, your heart was open, you maybe were grounded, you were having, like your capacity that day was really high, Mm -hmm. which is great for men to expect themselves because they'll hear this kind of talk and they'll think, oh, I've got to do this all the time, every day. If I don't, I'm a failure. And it's just unreasonable to expect that when certain kinds of projections or insults or criticisms are coming at you, that you're going to be able to meet it with equanimity and presence all the time. Sometimes you can. Fuck, if you do it once or twice a week and you just improve incrementally over the course of a relationship, you're in the fucking Hall of Fame. But those moments where your capacity is not there and you're able to sense because you're aware of your own body mind enough that you say, baby, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I want to hear you. We're going to talk about this, but just give me 20, 30 minutes, an hour. You know, 30 minutes is usually a good time. Just let me breathe, get myself settled. Let me take a walk and then I'll come back. and Jump we'll in the ice something. bath. Jump in the ice <laughs> bath. Perfect. Yeah, again. Literally that, chill out. Yep. That is good leadership from my perspective. Whereas if you would have just said, oh no, I'm supposed to hold space. I'm, you probably wouldn't have been able to. It would have you know, devolved into this you know, screaming match. And I've been there. I've done that. You know, I've made that mistake of trying to hold space when I knew I couldn't. A wise man once said, so they say, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. This is so true. Yet, when we think about medicine, we don't typically think about it being sweet and delicious. This is why honey has always been my top medicinal food. Plus, I also use it topically, as it's known to possess antimicrobial and wound healing properties. And I also eat it straight out of the jar and use it to sweeten foods and drinks. High-quality honey is loaded with minerals and enzymes and all kind of goodies. But to say that not all honey is created equal is a massive understatement because much of the honey on the market is unfortunately total garbage. And even some of the decent honey you'll find out there can be tainted with contaminants like glyphosate. My favorite brand of honey is new to the U.S. It's called Bee Patagon Honey. This stuff is epic. It comes from the pristine Patagonian forest of Chile. So of course it's naturally free of contamination and it is medically super potent. In fact, research has proven bee patagon honey to have even greater antibacterial activity than manuka honey. So if you're ready to try some killer honey, it's your lucky day because they're offering Lifestylist listeners a massive 30% off discount on all of their medicinal honey products. To get down with bee patagon honey, here's your action plan. Just click through the show notes or open your browser and go directly to beepatagonhoney.com. Then use the coupon code LUKEBP to save that 30%. One more time for the folks in the back, that's B-E-E-P-A-T-A-G-O-N, bpatagonhoney.com, and your fat 30% discount code is LukeBP. 
And you know what? While you're at it, give them a follow on social at the Patagon Honey, where you can see their beautiful land and honey for yourself. And so let me just say this to the men listening, like, and the women too, like, if you know you can't hold space and you're trying to hold space for some ego-centric reason, like that's what you think you should be doing, you're probably going to end up exploding or insulting or resenting or something like that. So good masculine leadership in those moments is to know when you are able to hold space or to negotiate. Baby, I'm totally willing to hear you. Just you know, don't call me a fucking asshole. Right? Like to show me how you feel, tell me how you feel, try to keep it on you. I feel this when you did this, I feel this way. And so I think there's an art that's being negotiated here, uh, you know, specifically in relationships and a lot in hetero relationships where women are having to learn some skill sets. You can't just call you out on your man and expect him to hold space. That's just not fair. It's kind of entitled, quite frankly. And it's not fair for a man to do that to a woman. I, you, I can't expect you to just hold my rage. Like That's not cool for your nervous system. But if I calibrate it a little bit and I, mod- and I just, if I breathe, if I slow down, if I look into your eyes, if, I, if, I, if I'm aware of your nervous system while I'm giving you my emotional truth, then we can hold a lot. We can hold a lot like you talked about. Like You were probably able to hold a lot for her because your nervous system was, was ready that day. But it's not fair, and I hear this a lot from men, to exp- and women too, it's not fair to expect that your partner, man or woman, is going to be able to hold your rage unabashedly all the time. Totally. All the time. Totally. Yeah. Well, after that experience, because I think that was, yeah, that was definitely the most pissed she's ever been in my presence and mm. definitely directed at me. Mm. But I got a little overconfident, I think, from that. Because it, <laughs> it was just, it was so empowering, actually, yeah. to be able to just be present to that yeah. experience that I thought, oh, that's just how I do it now. And it's like, no, not every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. when I started to, you know, learn, oh, there are times I really need to tune in and know like, oh God, I wish I could be here for this right now, but I need, I need to take a pause. Yeah. I found something else to be true in my case. And that is I'm much uh, better able to hold that level of presence and compassion and receptivity when I have a heads up that something something heavy needs to be discussed, that it could be emotionally charged. Uh, What I find to be exceedingly difficult uh, is when I experience what feels like an ambush. Mm -hmm. And this happened the other day, actually. I was like, Mm. on my computer, some super shitty stuff just came through my inbox, Mm. like legal stuff was Mm. not cool at all, Mm. frightened me a bit. Uh, And then, you know, and then there was like just... Oh, hey, you know, before we watch the show, I just want to talk to you about this thing real quick. Like, not a fair warning, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this could be gnarly. I'm really feeling some intense stuff. Yeah. And that was one of those times I had to just say, like, I immediately started to fucking melt down inside. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, this is going nowhere fast. And I just bolted. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I just, I knew I couldn't hang. Yeah. And I think part of it, I mean, you know, A, I just had a beautiful day followed by like a super scary shitty email came in to like let go of the day and spend time with my beloved mm. and she's like actually we have a problem to discuss <laughs> you know it's like fuck but it felt like an ambush yeah and so i was i got actually very resentful which isn't um common in our dynamic mm. um so mm. what do you think about 
either party kind of building a practice of sort of making an appointment and giving fair warning that, hey, like when would be good for you to yeah. talk about something that could be a bit triggering? Yeah, well, I think that's crucial. I think that's crucial. And, and, and you know, there's a difference between holding space and meeting your partner, right? Sometimes just being a rock of presence is, is not necessarily the best thing. Sometimes actually like letting her feel your heart or yeah, baby, or, or a touch or something that meets your partner is really important. And if some tips to help set your partner up to win. One, yes, make an appointment, at least give him a heads up like, hey, I'm, I'm having some stuff come up and it's kind of painful and I just, I want to be able to share it with you, but I want to, I want to make sure you're okay with that. And then giving you five minutes or three minutes or a few minutes to just, or tomorrow, right? Um, to work with it. So making an appointment is super important. Being aware of your own projections is incredibly important because I feel when you do this, I have these feelings, I have this experience is a totally different communication than, than you always do this or you're an asshole or you're selfish or da, 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 right? And, and so kind of keeping it in and trying to keep it in your own experience is really, really helpful. The yogic piece of it, this is kind of hard to explain, but I think, I think you'll people get it. There's a difference between a fire hose, which is often what happens in fights where there's a, there's like a, literally a stream of energy going at your partner versus opening and revealing outwards to sides, right? So one is, for people not seeing me, one is I'm opening my heart to reveal the pain and anguish that I have, but which is a very much like an invitation to see it and be with it versus I'm streaming my projection and my pain onto you, my pain body onto you. And so just tweaking the, where, how the energy is being delivered is important, I think, for women in particular, right? Because if you want your man to be present, you've got to set him up to win. And it's hard to be present when you're getting bludgeoned, yeah. right? when you're getting bludgeoned. And I think that the last thing I'll say about that is that if you can express how you're feeling without an assumption that your partner is trying to hurt you, so to try to, it's hard to make it blameless, but when there's a real simple communication, when you do this, I feel, I think, I want to, right? Or baby, I can't even make words. I'm so angry, I can't even make words for it. Can you just hold space while I'm angry? And then be angry without a bunch of words, like mm. really, like just scream, stomp, cry, anything. And men could and should do this too, right? <laughs> like, let me just, like, baby, I don't want to yell at you. So just stay back there. And I'm just going to like, let this out without, you know, pounding you with it. And let, and that gives your partner a chance to witness you versus combat. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's great. Yeah. I just thought of something super embarrassing, which I'll share here on the show, just because <laughs> nice. I love being silly and vulnerable um when we were living in our apartment before we got into this house i don't remember what i was pissed about it was probably something having to do with technology not working that's like one of my biggest mm. triggers is just i'm impatient right mm. i just can't slow down it's like fucking work mm -hmm. i bought this shit because i need it to do its thing anyway i was freaking out about something and this doesn't happen to me in a long time but i got so pissed it wasn't about her. It was something else. She was just present. I felt so guilty afterward because it was, it was gnarly and or just so toxic energy. But I grabbed my computer keyboard and just fucking smashed the shit out of it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
And I just had to do it. Mm. I mean, there's just no choice. <laughs> I was just so angry. I could not hold it in my body. Mm. And the keyboard was the closest thing that I could yeah. break without like really wasting a lot of money or hurting another person or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing about that was that, I mean, it was a no it was no party for her. She wasn't stoked, but she was kind of just afraid that like, whoa, you have that in you. Mm. But she was really good at not making it about her mm. at all, you know, mm. and just like observing that that was my experience. And mm. I think that's, that's a really healthy goal. I mean, I'm not saying people should break shit and like throw a tantrum. Yeah, yeah. It was literally just, I couldn't control it, you know? Yeah. Um, but what I find interesting, I want to get your take on this is, you know, when you're, when you're in a relationship where two, two people are working on themselves and developing some degree of self-awareness and, and healing and doing all the mm -hmm. things, meditating, whatever spiritual practices where inherent to most spiritual work, no matter what sort of brand it is, is this concept of building this witness observer awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Wherein, you know, I'm sitting here right now and I might be aware that, oh, I'm sitting in a way I think people are going to look, I think I look silly. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's like, or I'm aware of what I'm saying to you. There's always this kind of witness that's built over time from meditating and realizing yeah. that there is some awareness that is in observation of your thoughts and feelings and actions, yeah. right? Or of let's call it experience. Okay. The whole thing. Like yeah, not yeah, just yeah. your thoughts and actions, but this room, the wind, yeah. you and me, the whole experience. Yeah. So what do you think about, you know, if you're if you're fortunate enough to be in alignment in a mature, healthy relationship where you're both doing that inner work, wherein as a unit, you have the capacity for uh, for lack of a better term, sort of a dual awareness, right? And it, it speaks to your communication recommendation, wherein, you know, we're feeling this these emotions come up and rather than saying, John, you made me feel like X, Y, Z or mm -hmm. you this, you that, but really like taking responsibility for my feeling and one could communicate it like, wow, this is really interesting. Can I share something with you? Mm -hmm. As I'm sitting here with you, I am feeling this rage experience in my body and I, I have a really strong sensation to pick something up and smash it on the ground, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you both, I mean, I've experienced this where you yeah. both can actually kind of play in that realm where you're watching your dumb little personas kind yeah. of go through their their mellow micro dramas, right? Yeah. And you're kind of sharing about it from that perspective. It, it's, it can be so productive yeah. because it takes all blame out of the equation and assumes all responsibilities for one's inner experience yeah. onto the one experiencing them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very hard. It's a very masculine perspective, right? Because the feminine is not thinking like, oh, I'm going to be aware of the emotion. <laughs> and, and, and men too, the feminine in all of us is not, does, is not bound by the witness, right? right. Uh, not bound, just like the river's not bound by the riverbanks oftentimes. But, but healthy relating requires the capacity to be able to do that. It's really hard to stay in a healthy, to, to create trust when one of you is getting so, un, so disconnected from that awareness that you're now dangerous, right? Or you're, you're now um, damaging your other's, the partner's nervous system. So one of the ways that I like to describe, um, you know, like spiritual intimacy, the practice of spiritual intimacy is there's three pillars. The first pillar is the intimacy piece that I, I have a heart, you have a heart, I'm human, you're human, you know, I, I, I have a soul, you have a soul. It's that sameness that we all share as, you know, as humans, right? Um, 
The second piece is the energetic arc of the polarity, the masculine feminine polarity. When one of you is holding the masculine and the other is holding a feminine, there's the arc of energy that creates really deep sexual polarity. That's the juice. Like that's just the fucking juice. You can't. You can be as you can be as spiritual as you want, but if without that juice, it's just you're just like you might as well be meditating zazen together. Um, but the third piece, which I've come up with recently, is is I, I would call it a devotion to your partner's nervous system. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road. And this is kind of what we're talking about today: is to be aware of delivering the truth of your heart, whether it's anguish, pain, fear, da-da-da-da, while also being devotional to your partner's nervous system. And that is really, that is where heal, the deep, deep, deep healing starts to happen. And you put all three of those things together and you have magic. And in any couples that I work with, if one of those is off, it's like having a three-legged stool where one stool is shorter than the other. And so the chair will fall over. So you have to continually come back. And what I see more than anything nowadays is that people are really working with that, that third you know, leg of the stool, which is how can I deliver like that hurt me, but I can do it in a way that Luke's nervous system is not, does not go offline. So maybe I put my hands on your legs and say, baby, when you do that, it fucking kills me. <laughs> or, or I'm not leaving. I love you. We'll work this out, but we got to shift this. But there's a, there's like a, a simultaneous, I'm using my body and my breath and my nervous system to calm your nervous system while I'm giving you information that's really important for you to have about my needs. That is a fucking art and it's very difficult to sustain, but it is definitely doable. And in relationships that last a long time, they learn how to do that. And they do it in the relationships where there's deep, deep, deep healing, they learn how to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And also um, in that, what I've experienced is there's a deepening of trust mm -hmm. and safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never knew my whole life, like what I really wanted in a relationship was safety. Because mm. I always went for excitement. Mm -hmm. you know, safety? What? <laughs> Boring. Well, excitement <laughs> is the sexual polarity piece. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. the excitement. Like, okay. yeah, like she could be, she'll be Kali tonight and then, then she'll be a wood nymph. You know, whatever, what, the, the yeah. energy is the excitement, at least I'm talking from a man's perspective, yeah. is the sexual polarity piece. But the safety piece is so crucial for any kind of longevity or true health. And this is where I think a lot of couples and a lot of people in the polarity world that I work with, they miss this piece. And they go straight from, okay, intimacy, oneness, breathing together, resonance, great, we got that. Okay, now let's add sexual polarity. But then when the shit hits the fan and all of our childhood stuff comes up, if you don't have a partner that's willing to say like, all right, your nervous system is my, is my first priority. My content to share with you is the second priority. Mm, that's that, good. That is yeah. really important. And that's the reason why I call it devotion is because that requires devotion to say, all right, I'm, I'm freaking out, but I know Luke's nervous system can only take a certain amount of this. So I'm going to chill him out first, or I'm, I'm just going to put my hands on his legs, vice versa, right? Of course, so that I can deliver something that he can metabolize, even if it's really painful. If his nervous system is in its parasympathetic to go into, you know, a little more, you know, neurobiology, then he can receive my truth without it, without going into fight or flight. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the other thing 
and I guess this, I don't know if this is true for females as much, but I know in my experience of being a male and knowing a few of them, when that amygdala is firing, there is no rational thought Mm. or solution-oriented dialogue happening, right? Mm. There's like a certain threshold and just things just go blank and just nothing makes sense. Mm. It just goes totally cattywampus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. When you go full sympathetic nervous system and you don't have an awareness that you just crossed that line, you're easy prey for... yeah all of your shit from the past to come up, right? Exactly, exactly. And hopefully you have a partner who recognizes that. One of my not-so-secret weapons for relaxation and quality sleep at the end of a day is something called Organifi Gold. It's a powdered drink mix jam-packed with nine superfoods. And I use this stuff to make the most bomb golden lattes at night using just warm water or raw milk or some ghee or coconut oil. It takes about three minutes for me to make it, and it tastes like a delicious herbal tea. But it also packs a powerful punch when it comes to improving sleep without making me feel groggy the next morning, which is awesome. Here's what's in it. Turmeric, an ancient root that's been used for over 4,000 years to promote a healthy response to occasional aches and pains. It's also a potent antioxidant and antiviral to aid in boosting immunity. And we've got ginger. Ginger's been used for ages to assist the body's immune system. It also provides a little bite of flavor to this tea while at the same time assisting and soothing the body to support rest, digestion, and of course, stress. And then the reishi mushroom, man, you got to have that. It's known as the queen of mushrooms and has been used in China and Japan to support wellness for over 2,000 years. Then we've got lemon balm, which has been used to calm and relax the body for just as long across multiple cultures. And then lastly, Organifi threw in some turkey tail mushroom, which is also a potent antioxidant that helps soothe aches and pains. Best of all, Organifi Gold is certified organic and free of nasty toxins like glyphosate. Organifi does it right, no shortcuts ever. Do yourself a favor and grab some Organifi Gold right now by visiting Organifi.com. And that's Organifi with an I. And if you use the code LIFESTYLIST, you're going to save 15% off any item in the store. That's Organifi.com. I'm sure that when you were talking about what you and that moment where you gave Allison permission to just unload on you, I'm sure there was something you were doing in your breath, in your eye contact, in your body that was signaling her nervous system that you're there. Yeah, you're not running. Probably your jaw was probably relaxed. You were you're breathing. Probably you were somewhat grounded. You your heart was. <laughs> I open. was doing all the stuff I learned from okay, you. Okay, great. But you're <laughs> but you're signaling her yeah. nervous system on a sub in a subtextual subconscious way. I'm not going. I'm here, which then allowed her nervous system to deliver whatever she delivered to you in a way that you could metabolize it. It's very magic. It's a real beautiful sort of not quite sex magic, but it's a relational magic. And if you would have had shallow breath, if you would have been like looking around, if you would have been like biting your fingernails or anything like that, she probably would not have been able to do that. So part of the art of relating is is to be able to, for both parties, whatever relationship you're in, both parties need to make that commitment that I'm going to honor his nervous system and her nervous system first, then I'm going to deliver my content. And if it gets to a point where her nervous system never down-regulates, I'm going to withhold my content and, or I'm going to really modulate my content. And that's the 
commitment that I don't see a lot of people willing to make. And that's where most relationships devolve into contempt and criticism. You know, I mean, the Gottman's work, if you know the Gottman's work, like... No, I'm not familiar. Yeah, the Gottman's basically studied relationships. And what they found were that the number one marker of whether a relationship was going to fail is contempt. Oh, I've heard that yeah. before. I didn't know where that came from. Contempt. And criticism, right? The you yeah. know, opposite side of that. So going back to just unloading on your partner, if you're sharing how you're feeling and giving feedback, but your heart is open and there's not contempt in it, it's more revealing of the truth mm-hmm. versus contempt and criticism, then great, game on. Like I want your feedback. And one of the things I think that's, you know, this whole being where I think a lot of men go wrong is they, they stop at just being the witness to her experience versus being a yes to her experience. So a yes requires that you're actually in it with her or him, doesn't matter. You're in it with your partner. You're like, okay, yeah, you're fucking up. Yeah, I did that. That was fucked up. That was unconscious, baby. I'm so sorry. Or they did that. Or it's, 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 it's a meeting of... It's actually, the way I describe it in the book is it's a, it's a, a synthesis of sensitivity and awareness. Mm-hmm. Just awareness can be a little too neutralizing. A little detached. Yeah, a little yeah. detached, yeah. right? Like I'm in a cave meditating, witnessing all phenomena. <laughs> but what you're saying has no meaning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am a yes to everything, right? It, but, 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 but when you bring sensitivity to it and you're actually able to bring both your feminine, your capacity to use the body, your capacity to use the heart, your capacity to be sensitive, and your masculine awareness, right? Then you're really able to meet your partner in both arenas. And that's when I think most people feel gotten, feel heard, feel felt, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So if we take that, the best practice and good masculine leadership is this combination of of uh, refined and developed sensitivity, right, which can be, you know, cultivated by breath, by meditative practice, by yogic practice, and awareness. Right? In these moments of conflict, you're both aware, like you're, a, you're the witness, you're in the witness chair, but you're also in the feeling chair. And that, that capacity, that integration, is, it's what I would call inter- integrated masculinity. It's where your feminine and your masculine capacity is fully integrated. And then your ability to both express, empathize, but also maintain a level of connection to consciousness or the infinite or depth. And that combination makes it much easier to withstand any of life's storms, whether it's business stuff, whether it's a a tech, <laughs> tech fucking issue, or or a partner storm, and so I think that's kind of the, that's the one of the points I try to make in the book is that that you've got to cultivate your feminine capacity, your ability to flow and feel and emote and express, along with your capacity to hold deep awareness. That's beautiful. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I can feel that in in my body actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you make decisions from those places. Yeah. Feeling the feeling the space, like you walk into the house and you feel the space. You're like, "Oop, Allison's got some. She's overwhelmed today, right? Or my partner's overwhelmed." And you're aware, like, "Okay, what might what might be a good move to help free love, right?" And then that is good leadership. I've heard you talk about how it's often the case that if the feminine or a woman is upset with their partner it's due to the fact that that partner has lost presence 
or awareness. Awareness. Could you speak, could you speak to that? Yeah. yeah. M- most most complaints when you boil them down are you're not feeling me, which is you're not aware of my body, my heart, the fluctuations in my nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. So you've lost awareness of me or you've lost awareness of this thing or you've lost awareness of your, your word or you've lost awareness of yourself or you've lost awareness. Like, you break down virtually every complaint. <laughs> this is so true. And it's, it's actually that outburst that, yeah. uh, that I was explaining yeah. was about not being heard. Like you don't listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not fully feeling me. You're not hearing me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, virtually most feminine complaints, and this is just as true for a man, and is that I'm not feeling heard. I'm not feeling seen. You're not aware of me. You're not feeling me as a human, or something that that provides safety and trust in in our world. So, yeah, I, I think I think you know. Of course, I'm, there's the odd exception, but I'd say you can you know 99 out of 100, 95 out of 100 times, it's going to have something to do with the level your level of awareness, which is why meditation, breath work, um, certain kinds of awareness practices, feeling awareness practices are so important because it makes you more at- able to be attuned. That's why empathy, like practicing empathy, this whole nervous system thing I was just talking about, it's literally I, you're training your body to be empathetic and feeling of their nervous system. When they can feel that in you, and it's a muscle, it's not something that most of us were simply born with. We have to cultivate it. When they can feel that in you, their nervous system, it, it literally down-regulates their nervous system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is, this is why I think masculinity and men's work should focus on these capacities to develop a deeper feeling body and to develop a deeper awareness at the same time. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I got another question for you here about... Um, this tendency that I've I've observed, maybe it's just the women that I've been with mm-hmm. in my life, uh, where things from the past are often regurgitated mm-hmm. and like put back on the table. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> no idea what you're talking. Man about. fucks up. <laughs> yeah, uh, has admitted his wrongs, atoned for his sins, done mm-hmm. his time, amended mm-hmm. the behavior, yeah. and literally stopped doing it. Or at least you know, pretty mm-hmm. good stab at mm-hmm. it, right? Like taking the feedback, listen to the feelings, change that behavior, move on. Mm. Year and a half later, boom. There it is. We need to talk about that thing. Yeah. And, and I experienced that as like, okay, I was charged with the crime. Mm. I went to court. I was found guilty. Mm. I was given a prison sentence. I went and served the time. I got out. Yeah. I'm a reformed man. It's like throwing me back in court and then back in jail. Yeah. I'm like, what the Double fuck? Double jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You said the thing and then I fixed the thing. And now, you know, what, yeah. is, what is up with that phenomenon? Well, there's a couple things from a trauma perspective. One of the things that I learned, because I, I had a very similar situation in, in a relationship recently where something just, it kept coming back. These, I, I, I gave the most sincere, heartfelt apologies and attempts at repair. And yet there it was again, six months later for the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> and, and So this is not unique no, to my life. It's not unique. Okay. No, no, no. And one of the things I had to realize that was hard, it was hard to realize, but that trauma does not have time. Oh yeah. So trauma, so if someone is traumatized in a year and a half ago, the trauma brain does not recognize it was a year and a half ago. Right? So you may have repaired, but they may not have actually done the work to remove the trauma from their body. Both things have to happen, right? So 
if you do something that causes trauma in your partner, and this is true for any partner, and you repair, you do your best sincere attempt at repair, they still have to do the work to clear the trauma. Otherwise, it's going to keep coming up later on. So good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. If they don't, then it's going to happen. But there's one other piece, which is that the masculine is always looking for things to end. Right. So we, we want think, completion. Yeah, we think think we we're looking for a completion. We're looking for an ending. Good. Are we good? Does that repair? Is that good? Let's put it away. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. That's the masculine. On to the tendency. purpose. The next thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the masculine tendency. The feminine does not care so much about that. And again, this is the feminine in a man, in a woman, in anybody. The feminine has very little understanding of the feminine in all of us is not bound by time. The masculine lives in time space. Right. Hence the lesser value placed on closure. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it doesn't bother the feminine to have things be open-ended yeah. and incomplete because yeah. everything's fluid anyway. Yeah. And, and I think there's ways to deal with that. One of them is like, look, I, I, I can't, uh, this would be a time for you to say, look, look, I, I really can't hear that same complaint for the fourth time. I can't work through that trauma with you for the fourth time. I've done my best attempt at repair and now I really need to turn it over to you to go do what you need to do in order to heal that trauma because I've really given you my best. And that's, I think that's an important message to send. When somebody keeps bringing trauma again and again and again and expects you to keep repairing it, it's kind of abusive. You need to handle it. You need to go back and deal with what, what's, the, what's underneath that thing that you keep bringing up. Right. Chances are it's a family dynamic wound that you probably need to deal with. And this is, of course, provided that the person who's being charged with the transgression has amended their behavior, yes. right? Yes. Like yes. You, you know you're clean and you're like, wow, yeah, I'm not doing that thing anymore. Yeah. This is an artifact of the past. You could try something. I mean, you could try like, okay, baby, this is still in your nervous system. How about this? Try, try I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here, just take two minutes and and whatever you need to emote, express, you know, just, you know, keep it clean, keep it above the belt, but anything, I'm going to be here and I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold it with you. I'm going to love the fuck out of you. And let's see if we can move this together. That's another way to try. I right? like that. But, but ultimately, you know, we have to be a fucking, we have to be fucking adults. You know, I, I, one of my pet peeves is I think we, this idea that we need to expect our partners or demand our partners hold all of us it's a very entitled approach to relationship, right? Like, no, it's a, it's a gift when your partner wants to hold space for you, either partner, right? It's a gift when she wants to listen to you bitch about your technology or your work or da, 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 da. If she's giving you that kind of generosity, it's a fucking gift and you should treat it as a gift. It's just a pet peeve of mine that I, I think people really do need to take responsibility for what is theirs, what's old that's still in their body that they need to work with and what is new and present that, you know, that needs to be worked through in the partnership. That's beautiful. It's like uh, old school 12 steps, four step, right? You write these columns. Yeah, what's my I'm part? I'm pissed at this person because they did this or that. And, you know, then you, you go through a couple columns and it's like, what's my part? Oh, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, yeah. I think that was very common for me when I was going through that process multiple times was like, my, um, this is not pertaining to the kind of relationships we're talking about, but one of those big ones that I discovered was I would get my, I would put myself in harm's way through my selfishness mm. and my self-seeking. There was something mm. I wanted. Mm. And so I would sacrifice my integrity, put myself in a position that was compromised 
get hurt and then blame the other person for mm-hmm. doing what was in their nature to do, right? right? I mean, it's such a valuable thing. Any kind yeah. of, however you, uh, you know, kind of whatever model of self-inquiry. You yeah, use, it's, 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 it's a must for me. Like, you know, you mentioned that's something that your wife does really well. That's a must for me. The ability to self-inquire, I just maybe it's just 20 some odd years in 12-step work. It is a value for me that's really important. And I'll hold virtually anything if I have a warning, if I'm consenting to it. Like we need to actually ask for consent before we dump on our partners. That's a very simple courtesy to offer your partner. And I think I see a lot of couples not doing that. And I see a lot of damage being done because of that. I've certainly been guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I've been the, you know, a recipient of it. But getting consent before you really land, you, know, you, you nail your partner. With something yeah, like and um, the set and setting, you know, then you have an opportunity. I think it goes back to that kind of making an appointment when there's something potentially heavy that needs to get discussed, right? It's like yeah. set and setting, like... Let's calm down. Like, make a tea. Let's you know, take care of the nervous system. Yeah, exactly. Right. Take care there of the you nervous go. system. Yeah, I mean, is, like, yeah. again, if 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 any, if they take anything out of this podcast, it's take care of the nervous system, your partner's nervous system first, then deliver the content, right? And then constantly be checking back in. Are you okay, baby? Is this okay to hear? Do we need to take some breaths? Da 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 da. I know this might be hard. I'm not blaming you. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. You're the love of my life. Like words of praise, words of affirmation. Like, but you got to stop leaving the fucking toilet seat up. Or I'm leaving. You know, what I, mean? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, but yeah. it's so generous and it's so mature and it's so um, healing to be able to receive somebody's truth because we want truth. You know, we really want each other's truth. I think it's just that we don't quite. We haven't figured out how to deliver it in a way that is healing and and soothing to the nervous system. What about the masculine tendency to try and solve problems? Mm. Right? Because we want everything dead. Because yeah, because <laughs> we're talking about just, yeah. you know, that compassionate listening, holding space, co-feeling, having that balance of masculine and feminine mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. us. Uh, but I mean, I noticed that just if I tell any of my guy friends a problem I'm having, I'm not even done with the sentence. And they're like, oh, well, call Joe. Do you need to do the <laughs> yeah, thing? You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, no, dude, you're stressing me out. I didn't, we're not to the point yet where I'm asking you, what do you think I should do? Right, right? Right, right. So maybe you could speak to that, just how, yeah. you know, when feedback is appropriate or how to communicate whether or not one just needs to get something out or they actually are looking for solutions. Well, I, I think that the, the masculine tendency to want to solve a problem is healthy. It's beautiful. Um, Pat, uh, Pat Allen talks about it. Um, Alison Armstrong talks about it. It's a beautiful part of masculinity. The problem is that they, they think the problem is something else than what the problem really is. So for example, she might be talking about something upset her at work or something, you know, some, a friend or something like that. And we think that the problem is the content the friend was shitty, da, 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 da. You, should let, you shouldn't be your friend anymore. You should go tell them, you know, we'll give them that. That's not the problem. The real problem is that she's feeling unmet, unheard, unseen. So solving that problem is, is the solution. Like, yeah, there's a problem. She's feeling, she wouldn't be upset if there wasn't something going on. But the problem, we tend to think the problem is content. It's actually what's going on in her nervous system. So I always like to, tell guys like if that's the case then be a yes to whatever she's feeling like so and so was so shitty to me fuck she was oh that sucks like 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 literally like help her feel the feelings that are there more 
and help her be seen and felt and free. Again, we talked about the masculine gift is to liberate. So that's a good way to liberate whatever energetic, emotional gunk is stuck is a really beautiful gift. Most women appreciate it. What if if it's a situation in which the woman feels stuck in a dilemma and is like venting about a dilemma, but there is a decision at which she needs to arrive at some point in order to resolve the dilemma. Would you like my opinion on that? Uh, Okay, that's that's pretty simple. Yeah, would you like my opinion? Do you want me to just listen to you? Because I'm totally cool to just listen and vent with you and we can just talk shit about those people and blah, blah, blah. I'm totally cool doing that. Or if you want my opinion on what you should do, I'm happy to give that. Yeah, that's my method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a disaster if you just start trying to fix it without, without you know, yeah. with making sure that that's in fact what. what because they the masculine want. values peace above almost everything else. Oh God, that's so true. I've yeah. heard you say that. Yeah, say that again. The masculine values peace above almost all else. Right. And and so we're constantly trying to get uh, to peace. Oh my God. Yeah. So true. Let's just like let's let's just so we can chill, light some candles, breathe together, whatever peace means on that day. Where we're, where the, the the impulse to get to peace is a very similar to the feminine impulse to get to connection. <laughs> the two are often in in conflict. If yeah. awareness often underlies what's troubling a woman. You know, of course, we're totally generalizing here, but you have a lot of years working with probably thousands of people by yeah. now uh, on this stuff. What's typically underneath a man's angst with a female partner, yeah. or a feminine partner? Well, it, it, in life in general, almost always, I was just talking about this to my men's group the other day, it's almost always you're feeling bound or trapped by something. You're bound in dynamic, you're bound in a purpose, you're bound in some financial situation, you're bound in some kind of emotional turmoil that feels so the masculine gets super grumpy, like you're bound by your technology not working. You feel bound, you feel trapped, you, feel, you don't feel free. So the masculine impulse is for peace and freedom above all else. Feminine impulse is for love and connection above all else. And again, this is non-gender specific. This is in every human. And so almost every masculine pain boils down to the I'm not free. And we will strategize, like we will strategize in all kinds of ways. We'll take trips, we'll do medicine journeys, we'll do all these things to to fix the freedom issue, but not feeling the pain of just not being free, the pain of just being bound by time and space. So there's two solutions. One is feel the pain of being bound in general. And that's something I'll have guys do a lot of. And the second piece is find what true freedom is, which is usually meditation, feeling awareness practice. That's where you, you know, this moment is stretching out to the end of the cosmos. What's more free and unbound than that? That's it's so <laughs> true because that's, that's my ultimate favorite place to be mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah, been, the masculine craves you, that you hit the, like yeah. you hit that theta that theta mm-hmm. zone in a meditation or however you get mm-hmm. there just like in a float tank that's mm-hmm. a great example yeah. yeah i wonder i wonder if floating is more popular for males or females i wonder if there's I, any data on I that i imagine there is i mean that to me is just the ultimate just nothingness yeah <laughs> just, unbound yeah total unbound by thought unbound by Sensation, just unbound. I'm I'm expanding as the infinite space that is. 
one with the universe? I mean, come on. And the problem is, is that men will chase superficial solutions to the freedom problem versus spend more time in that space we were just talking about. And maybe having to spend, having to go back to that place for three minutes at a time, five times a day is what men actually need in order to regulate their nervous systems. And most guys will consider scrolling through Reddit, you know, relaxation. It's not, it's not true relaxation. So part of what I try to get to in the book is like take responsibility for your nourishment and being unbound is the greatest nourishment play with other men, time in nature, being unbound as consciousness. Those are the three beautiful practices that men can pick up. This is probably um, the reason man caves came to be, right? Totally. <laughs> That's what came to mind. It's like, oh yeah, sometimes I just have to be by myself and mm-hmm. it has to just be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Thankfully, I'm in a relationship where her needs seem to be met. Sometimes I'm shocked because I need that a lot. Mm. And I've kind of come out of my cave, whatever that is, you know, mm. just figuratively speaking. And I'll, sometimes I'll have that nervousness, like, ah, oh, it's probably kind of caving out too long. Mm. And I come back, she's just always receptive. Like there's never, I don't know, there's never I mean, any communication yeah. where her needs aren't being met. I think there's an understanding that she knows that that's how I come back as my best self and, and able to, yeah. you know, be. Time of no demand. Yes. And when she can sense that it's time of no demand, which is different than numbing out. So if you go and you numb out for two hours playing video games or scrolling, whatever it is, and you come back and you're not really in your depth, she'll feel it and she'll probably be pissed. But if you go and you're just like, you just, you're, <laughs> you're actually getting nourished by the space of no demand and you come back, it's probably received well. That's so true. Yeah. You know your shit, brother. <laughs> You're good, man. Thank you, brother. Over the years, I've been collecting and using dozens of different healing technologies at home. But if I had to pick just one device to keep on hand, it would likely be my ozone system. It's actually hard to imagine living without it at this point. And for those who don't know, ozone is a gas made from activated oxygen. And for the past 100 plus years, medical grade ozone has been used internally to provide a plethora of incredible benefits. In fact, it's got a long history of use in chronic disease, especially for cancer, autoimmune, Lyme, infections, and mold toxicity. Over 2,500 medical studies on ozone exist, and over 10 million treatments are done annually. But you don't need to go to a hospital, clinic, or even doctor to take advantage of the benefits of ozone. Research has found that there are easy ways to do it at home to get the same benefits, which is what I do to take my health and energy to the next level. Simply O3 ozone systems are designed to make ozone therapy safe and easy to implement. The 3.0 complete kit by Simply O3 comes with all the supplies you need to do ozone therapy at home for $1,800. Now, by contrast, a single IV ozone treatment at a clinic can cost anywhere from $300 to $1,000. So this is a really cost-effective way to get the benefits of ozone. So to get a lifetime of treatments for you and your friends and family for only $1,800, here's what you do. Visit simplyo3.com slash Luke. Then use the code Luke at checkout to get 10% off. Oh, and heads up, they offer a lifetime warranty and a six-month money-back guarantee. So you can try it out for six months and see the benefits yourself. And if you don't dig it, send it back for a full refund. Again, go to simplyo3.com slash Luke and enter the code LUKE at checkout. You'll thank me later. 
couple more questions here. How can a you know an, an evolved masculine man who has access to the masculine and feminine is is well rounded and well balanced and is deeply honoring and respectful of his partner also access his kind of animal base nature mm. and and ravish a woman you know mm. it's kind of like mm. this dilemma i i hear from a lot of guys and i've experienced it in my life at times too is that it's like when you really love honor and respect a woman yeah it's difficult to treat them in a way that feels even though there's a part of them that really wants yeah, that right yeah, but yeah. it's difficult to treat them in that way because it just it feels um it feels dishonoring you know mm, mm. like what what what's your i know you've done a lot no, of work is, this is this is a whole workshop man like that's a whole workshop is right it? there yeah oh yeah but i'll yeah. give you a couple pieces okay. so the first one i think you'll get right away which is access your root access your root chakra like so that part of you is in the lower triangle I mean, for the yogis, they'll probably get this. Some people will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, that, but in, your, in, your, in your root chakra, in your, the base of your body, that's where your subconscious primal energies. So you can do breath practices. I have a bunch of them on my virtual workshop if you want that. But you can do breath practices that really bring breath down into the lower part of your body, which, which activates those energies, right? First, second chakra. So there's one. I'll give one example. One is I'll have people kind of lock their perineum, sit in a way that their perineum is plugged into the earth and then breathe and rock on it for 5, 10, 15 minutes and really wake up. And what will happen is you'll start to feel a lot of heat in your genitals. You'll start to feel it in your perineum, in your rectum. You'll feel like this, that part of you come alive. And that's sort of the energetic gateway to your primal nature. The second thing is almost, is so simple. It's, it's intend to ravish her. Like just just be the possibility of ravishing her into dust and just make that intention and bring energy. So the two pieces of that are, this is the way that we should approach any endeavor. It's the strength of our intention and the quality of our energy. So if your body's open and you're full of breath and you're like in your body and your intention is, I'm going to ravish the fuck out of her tonight. I'm just going to ravish her into dust into a puddle of love whatever it is i mean choose your own language and you bring that to her and then of course you check in yes baby this is a yes this feel good feel good when i pull your hair like pull her if you maybe you pull her hair i'm just i mean i don't know <laughs> please yeah. don't try this at home um you know like you pull her hair and you're like yeah baby or you check in you know or you you just what's even better is if you can tell it's a yes it's good to check in if you're not if you're not used to it or you don't have that dynamic in your sexuality. Then check in. Like, is this yes, baby? Is it cool that I hold you down? Is it cool I hold your hands down? Is it cool I, you know? So you just keep checking in as you go, just to make sure that you're not pushing her past a boundary. But the, the most of that gets cleaned up when your intention is really pure. Like, I'm just gonna love the fuck out of her. She's gonna feel like the most loved, ravished woman on the planet tonight. And if you just take that intention into lovemaking with some breath, with some openness in your body, you're going to elevate your sex. It's, it's just inevitable. And then the rest of it is just, you know, communication, checking in, really feeling, was that a yes, baby? Was that a yes or no? You know, and women today are pretty tapped into their own bodies and their own capacity to know what's good and what's not. But not all, but most of them are. 
Awesome. That's yeah. great information. Yeah. I just, I, I've observed as men in my community, in my world, evolve out of their immaturity and start to, you know, embrace um, real growth that it's like, there's a mismatch of the way that things used to be and the way that things could be, mm, right? And mm. so we're kind of, myself included to some degree, kind of like, oh, how does this new thing work? Mm, you know, mm. there's not there's not a roadmap for, you know. Not a lot. No. Of, of like conscious, uplifted sexuality, you know. Well, there was before the church. Ah, okay. right, <laughs> Quite right. frankly, right? right? There was in all kinds of all kinds of areas of the world, Egypt and India and China and you know, who knows what was going on. I mean, Asia before they, you know, migrated down into South America, there was a lot of conscious sexuality going down. And then the church came in and just whoosh. So yeah. there's a lot of I mean, you know, I'm one of many, you know, teachers of this stuff and and there's a lot of great ancient practice and wisdom that's coming back now. It's like any new skill, like you said, it's like, how does this work? And any new skill requires practice. Like your capacity at the, when you were talking about coming to the workshop and finding that tune between warrior and lover, that's a practice, right? And then the more you practice it at home, you know, the more it gets installed in your nervous system. Yeah, and totally. So you can't bypass practice. A book won't give you an embodied experience. Yeah. 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 The application. The application. But yeah. the, the thing I think that's super important is, is the intention. Most of us kind of just float into sex without a really deep intention. And I think just taking a moment to set an intention. I'll give you one more piece, which is to create a ritual space. So for me, that looks like, you know, lighting a bunch of candles, putting specific kinds of music on, like literally lighting candles and, and just making the acknowledgement, you know, may love be served, may all beings be served. Like just elevate the space that you're going to make love in and it'll show up in how safe the space is and how safe you both feel, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, you know, you've experienced in the past uh, couple of years here some significant loss in the passing of your daughter, Claire, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then your ex, Guru Jagat, who many people will be familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. She's been on the podcast too, incidentally. Mm-hmm. I think I have a, a curiosity around how people work through grief mm-hmm. and loss, mm-hmm. largely because I've not really had that experience in my life. And I also get a lot of questions from listeners that do obviously have that experience, as many do, and I'm sure I will yeah. have plenty of it. Um, but it's not really a topic I've addressed a lot, and I, and I would like to start leaning into it um, for the benefit of the listeners. So, yeah. you know, you walked in today, I haven't seen you in a while. You look healthy and happy, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's uh, impossible for me to even fathom not yet being a father, uh, losing a child. It's, it's one yeah. of my biggest fears, even probably has something, if not quite a bit to do with why I don't have a kid yet. Just yeah. the, even that that's even a realm of possibility at any point in my future is just unimaginable. So, yeah. um, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but, you know, where are you with each of those experiences? And, you know, what were some of the things that you've done or are doing to work yeah. through that? Yeah, happy to share. First of all, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it, man. Losing Claire was brutal brutal even though i knew it was coming even though we knew her life was short like there was nothing nothing to prepare me for the different kinds of grief you know it's not just the grief of losing her losing like the love of my life literally she's the love of my life and thus far <laughs> but then there was also the grief of all of the trauma that i endured during her illness you know like watching her in pain watching her in the hospital watching her go into a coma watching her 
with half her skull cut open, watching her, you know what I mean, not be able to breathe. And, and so I literally had to go through and I was guided by a, by a, by a teacher of mine, men in Hawaii, to go through these things. So I, I had to get into the, to not only the, just the loss of not having Claire in person, but also really going back over all of the trauma leading up to her death and in her illness. It's not the same for everybody who might have loss, but that was my journey. And the thing, the real change, the first year and a half or two years was really hard. Like I just, I made silly decisions. I, 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 I just did not, I was so lost. I didn't realize that I needed, like here was this person, this human that I took care of so dutifully and, you know, felt so connected to and so tethered to. And then she was gone and I like had this tentacle that needed to take care of people. <laughs> so it showed up in relationships that probably weren't right and it showed up in just not great decisions. And about a year and a half in, one of my teachers, a man named Cass Phelps who lives in Hawaii, he's like, you need to get off the road. And coincidentally, my business doubled. You know, so Claire died, my business doubled and I thought I was grieving, but I realized that there was a pool of grief I hadn't felt. And so Cass was like, you need to get off the road for two months, three months and come here, come to Kauai and we'll just work with it. So I literally created a container to just grieve. Wow. And, and, wow. I, think, and I also did that on a daily basis where I would create a couple hours in the morning. I wouldn't schedule any calls until later. And that, that, those are my two hours to just grieve. I'd look at pictures of her. I'd listen to music. I'd write some posts. I'd, I'd do whatever felt like grief wanted me to do a couple hours a day for a good first, for the first part of the year. And then I went to Kauai and I did all this very deep embodied work. I spread her ashes, you know, in the waterfalls of Makalea and, you know, talked to her and just had this really deep container for grieving. So I guess if I was going to give some, you know, advice to somebody who's going through grief is it's create a space that honors your grief where there's nothing else but you just grieving even if it's 20 minutes a day if you have other kids or something and you only have a little bit of time but that's your space to honor your own heart's process and that really helped and i can tell you that i can tell you that i'm a, a total peace with it i mean i miss her sometimes i just miss her because i loved her so yeah. much you know but um but i really feel she's in a beautiful place i'm in a beautiful place with um with Guru Jagat. I had, you know, we'd been separated for over a year when she died. And so we had kind of, you know, we'd made our parts. She was doing her own thing, which, you know, was a whole other episode. And I was doing, you know, I was doing mine. And so, you know, it was deeply sad. And I remember having some really beautiful experiences with her in a ceremony, in a medicine ceremony where I could really feel her. And, and we had this really beautiful exchange and I was able to let her go. And and that felt that felt really good, but for Claire, it took a long, long time, oh, and it's just recent. You know, really in the last six months that I've a year that I've really felt like, oh, like, yeah, it's all good. Wow. Yeah, it's it's like the opposite of checking out, right? <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's that's it. That's mm -hmm. the you know great. I did some of that too. You know? I mean, of course, yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know, like t making time for the grief and to go you know, integrate the experience and the loss in Hawaii. I mean, this is, it's counterintuitive, right? That the, the way, the way around things is through them, right? Mm -hmm. And all of that stuff, like there's a great um, book by David Hawkins called Letting Go. And then mm -hmm. it's like his most sort of 
easy to read, like the simple thing mm. he ever wrote, mm. but it's so powerful. And the whole, the whole premise of it is really, a, it's about surrender, right? But he talks about how you can diffuse painful emotions by just having the courage to actually just be there for them 100%, mm. you know? Mm. Like yeah. that's kind of lost to me. Like that is like core wound shit. I mean, that's yeah. like huge punctuation point in one's yeah. life journey, right? Yeah, yeah but, it was... It, it was it's like you didn't even know that there were depths of pain available like that. <laughs> and, and, I, and I will say that the practices that I've learned over the years, and I mentioned Sophia Diaz, she helped me a lot. She gave me some beautiful practices to go out into nature and give my grief to the earth. And so there was a lot of actually embodied, like I didn't just cry, I wailed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I like, I wailed, I let, I tried to expand my body so that every cell could grieve and not just cry and kind of close, you know, we close up when we cry, we normally kind of go into a ball. And I kind of made the, made the, the effort to open my body and let it really come out my center column, you know, the center of my body, my heart, my liver, my solar plexus, my, my genitals, my, my throat, all of it, just, just give it to the earth. So the practices that I've, that I've learned, and I put much of this into the virtual workshop that's a kind of a, a, a workshop of content and practice that I have. But it, the embodiment helped a lot. The embodiment work helped a lot. Um, right, because how could you even have space to process something of that depth mm. unless you had practiced doing that, right? Mm-hmm. With, with other things in life. Yeah. I mean, it's just like incredible. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring, man. I appreciate you sharing about that. I know it's, you know, I can't, like I said, I can't imagine. I think that's my curiosity around it is like, man, be great for me and, and people listening to, to learn some of this before it actually happens because it's going to happen for all of us, right? Yeah. We're all going to experience great loss and grief. It's part of the, yeah. the deal that we signed up for. We all have it. And I'll just give me, just give a, 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 if anybody wants to know about my daughter who is an absolute fucking rock star in the world, her name is Claire Wineland. You can just Google her. You'll see there's videos with, there's two documentaries written about her, you made about her. She's got millions of views on, on YouTube. She was an absolute, you know, just a force of nature. And, uh, and I, I, I try to keep her legacy alive with the foundation and, and, and just to honor her, you know, a podcast like this. So thanks for asking. I appreciate awesome. that. Man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we did it. I did a little trick today. I asked my ending question, which is three teachers. Mm. I did it at the beginning today. I thought, what the hell? Yeah. I'm going to mix it up. Yeah, that no, was good. The last thing I'll ask you then is where can people access your work? And, you know, I went on your site. You just, you have like so much to offer for people yeah. who want to dive into this in any capacity. It seems like you've got live events and online things and the Netflix of embodiment kind of thing. <laughs> so give yeah. people a little outline of, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, we've talked about the book, but just all the other stuff that you're doing in the world and how people can interface with you and your work. Thank you. Well, I run a men's program and a women's program every year. The men's program is sold out. The women's program we just launched and starts in January. So if you want to do a deep dive into this work, uh, it's called uh, EWRI and it's on my website. I run a teacher training every year. This year's full, but next year we'll start again. If for people who want to get into, you know, learning deeper, it's a three-year program, so it's a you know, it's a deep dive. It's not just a, like a weekend. And then you know, there's that for people who just want to uh, take nibbles. There's the the virtual workshop, which is I, I learned actually. Guru Jagat taught me this. She's like, film everything. 
And so right. I did that. I filmed, I filmed every workshop I've done and we've compiled all that and put it onto like a, like a Netflix of embodiment. But we've also, and I'm really proud about this, we put a ton of the practices there. So there's a hundred breathing, there's 32 different breathing practices. Really? Yeah, 32 different breathing practices. There's all kinds of masculine practice, feminine practice, couples practice. It's all on there. And, and it's a great way for people to access the work and from their own home. And then, you know, I got a book. Awesome, man. Yeah. JohnWineland.com. Thank you. And we'll put it in the show notes. The show notes, by the way, today, guys, are going to be LukeStory.com slash masculine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we talked about a million other things, I think yeah. there's a, you know, hopefully yeah. some sort of a overarching uh, theme there. Well, I, lo- I loved it too. I loved that we got into real world relationship issues. Like that's really, I think that's really great. I'm glad that you, I'm glad you went in that direction. So yeah. thank you. Cause I think that's what ends up, you know, people end up wanting to know, like, how do I deal with it when they do this or when I'm faced with this? Yeah. The practical, the mm-hmm. practical tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cause they're, they work. I mean, like I said, I demonstrated so many of the things I've learned from you and yeah. so many other people. Yeah. I give it a shot and see if it works. And holy shit, it does. <laughs> you know, you take a fundamental truth or a, a principle and mm-hmm. apply it. It has a pretty much guaranteed result that's going to be at least positive you know yeah 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 well thank you so much man. sure man I, this I, is a blast yeah i can't to wait to again. spend some more time with you here i'm so stoked that you and everyone else in the world has moved to austin texas <laughs> it's pretty much yeah people from austin texas maybe not so much but right. uh i'm glad you're here man it's great right. to see you right on brother well we did it family we made it through another earth school lesson on the lifestylist podcast Now, if you gained as much insight as I did with John, I highly encourage you to grab a copy of his book, From the Core, A New Masculine Paradigm for Leading with Love, Living Your Truth, and Healing the World. You can find it at lukestory.com slash from the core. Next week's episode will take a turn back into natural healing with the topic I've been wanting to cover for years, and I finally tracked down the perfect guest with which to do so. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday for episode 449, Nature's Best Medicine, The Science and Secrets of Colloidal Silver Revealed with Steve Ravelli. And until then, do your best to integrate what we discussed today into your relationship with the one you love. And if you're not presently in a relationship, now is a great time to start practicing the principles we outlined here today. In closing, Thank you for allowing me to share my passion and my mission with you on another episode of the show. It truly means the world to me that you take the time to tune in and commit your time to this podcast. And make sure to go to lukestory.com newsletter so I can email you next week's show the moment it's published. 